Welcome to the Table for One podcast, a podcast for those of you who are cooking for one. You'll find interviews with people who are cooking for one, nutrition tips, cooking tricks, and other practical topics for all my single listeners, and all without the mention of dieting or restriction because, well, dieting just kind of sucks. So join me as I explore the realities, the challenges, and highlight the joys of cooking for one in this busy world. Welcome. Today I chat with Abigail about what it's like for her to cook for one. So I am so excited to have my first interview here on the Table for One podcast. I really hope that these interviews can be a great way for you to be introduced to different people who are cooking for one and to get some tips and ideas and also see that, you know, it's we're kind of all in the same place here trying to figure it out. So I wanted to do a quick, quick introduction um, before Abigail dives in. But she currently lives in Salt Lake, is a structural engineer for a consulting firm. She usually works about 45 hours a week and loves spending time in the outdoors hiking and skiing. She grew up loving to cook and is working on finding that balance of cooking delicious foods and spending her free time on hobbies outside of the kitchen. Before we get started, I wanted to quickly review, kind of get a give a heads up for things that we're going to talk about today. She um, has a couple of really great cooking tips for one that I wanted to share right off the bat. So if you are um, a little bit closer to a pen and pencil or, or paper, I guess you need a pen and paper, or a way to write down some of these ideas, I've got them and then they also will be in the show notes. So Abigail loves using Google to search for recipe substitutions. She likes one pan or sheet sheet pan meals because they're easy prep, easy cooking and require limited cleanup, which I think all of us can get behind. And she loves the different combinations that she can make with um, those methods. She also enjoys cooking a couple of meals each week and eating leftovers or figuring out ways to repurpose those ingredients. And her go-to no dinner is eggs and Brussels sprouts, which is making me hungry. I also wanted to share a couple of her favorite recipe resources. Um, her favorite Instagram accounts to follow are Mallory.RDN, Rabbit and Wolves, and Rachel's Good Eats. Again, those are all Instagram accounts. And then finally, just the take-home points that I thought were so helpful is, you know, she talks about that there's no specific best way to feed yourself and that she's found it helpful to experiment with different methods of cooking and see what works for her and then in turn to figure out what works for each of us and I am wholly behind that. And also to not feel like you have to follow anyone else's cooking methods to make your own path and we talk a little bit about that and she's got some great insights. And then finally a couple of her easy foods to have on hand are salmon and black bean burgers that she gets from Costco. And those are some of her favorites. So again, that was just a quick intro and I'm excited to share the interview that I had with her. Enjoy. All right. Welcome. So today I have Abigail as my guest and we're just going to jump right in and have her introduce herself. So Abigail, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself, like where you live, what you do and what you enjoy to do in your spare time? 
Sure. Uh, so my name's Abigail, obviously. Um, I live in Salt Lake City, Utah, and for my day job, I am a structural engineer, so I design buildings. Um, and I'm 25, so I've only been working for about four years. Um, went to college in Pennsylvania and then worked in Philadelphia for a while and then moved out here to kind of get closer to the mountains and uh, be able to kind of live out some of my hobbies that I like. A little bit more frequently so um, I'm I like to ski and I love to hike and trail run so really just utilize the mountains in my free time as much as possible which is very easy to do in Salt Lake because we're so close to the mountains yeah. and I think that's it awesome yeah I know I I live in Salt Lake as well and it's that's like the best part about it my um, sister and I went on a hike up just past the University of Utah the other day and it's just like it takes no time to get there. It's so right. cool. It's so close. It's so easy to get around and to find new and cool things to do outside. There's so many, so many things. Well, I, I am that way as well. So it's fun to, to be able to talk about that. So now let's talk a little bit about your growing up. I'm curious to hear about when and how you learned to cook. Sure. So I grew up in Nebraska. Um, we moved around a little bit. My dad was in the army, so kind of moved around every few years growing up until we finally ended up in Nebraska for a while. Um, and I would say that we grew up in a family of, um, you know, we did a lot of home cooking and we, I think my mom kind of used that time to get everyone together after school and in between all the sporting events and other activities we all had going on. And that was kind of our family time. Um, so we had, you know, home cooked family meal almost every night if we were all around and especially, you know, on the weekends and on Sunday nights, that was kind of our, our family thing. And I think that just through that, I kind of grew up in the kitchen and the kitchen has always been a very central part of my life, um, whether or not I'm doing the cooking or watching other people cook. Um, and I guess just slowly but surely, you know, when, when you have kids, you try and get them as involved as possible to keep them not idle. And I think my mom did that exact same thing. So making sure that we were all involved in whatever was going on in the kitchen and, uh, you know, whether it was just making cookies or something silly like that or just helping out with regular dinner as well. Um, so I wouldn't say that I had any formal instruction whatsoever, but just kind of picking up things that my mom and dad um, threw around was my introduction to cooking. Oh, that's so cool. Are there any recipes or anything that you really remember making with, with your family? So this isn't necessarily like normal food related, but my mom is very well known for her biscotti recipes. So if you're not oh. familiar with biscottis, they're just double baked like Italian cookies. And so we used to, she's very well known for them within like, you know, all of her different communities in the family. She makes a, an incredible amount every holiday season and gives them away for presents and stuff. And so, you know, teaching or helping her cook or excuse me, helping her bake those um, every winter was a lot of fun. And she'll even make them, you know, during other parts of the year as well. But at one point in high school, I helped her make a bunch of them. We actually sold them at the Omaha Farmer's Market for a while. So that was, I think, the thing that when I think about cooking growing up, like biscottis, number one, all the time. <laughs> Oh, that is so cool. You know, that's really funny because my mom had a, a streak. She didn't do it for a super long time, but she had a streak where she would make biscotti. Was there a certain flavor that your mom made or that you really liked? There's at least three that are staples every year and they always have been. So um, double chocolate walnut 
very good if you're, you know, into chocolate. Um, cranberry pistachio is another big one. I'm a big fan of cinnamon sugar because they're really simple and they kind of remind me of snickerdoodle cookies. Um, but she'll really only make those if I request them. <laughs> and then um, orange almond. So they each have their own little personality, I guess. Oh, those all sound so good. When you said the chocolate one, I was like, done, that will be my favorite. And then you listed all the other ones. And I thought, Oh, I don't know which one I'd like. They all sound so good. Oh, that's so fun. It's, it's just neat. It's, it's fun to look back on the cooking experiences that we have, and especially those, those foods that we just loved. That's so fun. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's great. So now let's kind of get to talk about cooking now, um, especially for you cooking for one. Tell me a little bit about things that you enjoy about cooking for one. Sure. Um, I think that, you know, my life is pretty hectic. I like to stay out of the house and keep myself busy with hobbies and work and things. So cooking is kind of my way to slow down. Um, when I can convince myself to do that, it's kind of a big deal. So making sure that I set aside time, whether it's every night or if I tr try and prep things a little bit more and it's, you know, a longer period of time on one day, just slowing down and cooking my meals and, um, you know, enjoying that time, I guess Oh, that's awesome. So what is, what do you usually do in a week? Is there any consistency there with, like you said, one day to, to put a little bit more time in and then to have less to have to do other days? I would say there is zero consistency. Um, <laughs> Me too. Just something I struggle with, but sometimes I'll get on a really good kick where I'm like, you know what? I need to get on top of it. I will prep a bunch of things so I, I don't have to spend very much time cooking. And then there's other weeks where I don't think about food at all. And then it's just kind of scrambling to put together like eggs and toast for dinner. Um, because I am so busy and I just, I'm a yes person and I say yes to doing things and then I get sucked out of the house all the time. So, um, no consistency at all. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. It's, it's hard. Cause I feel like it takes effort and planning and, and sometimes there's way better things to do than that. And that's okay. It's yes. totally okay. Um, have you found anything in particular to be motivating to you to, to cook? Um, I would say that if I see a recipe, especially with the way Instagram is, and, you know, I follow a lot of food bloggers and things on Instagram. If I see a recipe that I really, that looks really good, then I'll automatically want to make it. And so I'll try to incorporate that into the next week or the current week. Um, so knowing what I want to eat is very motivating for me. But if I don't think about it or I don't see something that inspires me, that's kind of when I get a little lazy and, and just kind of piece meals together. Yeah. So having something in mind to look forward to is really helpful for you. It sounds like. Yeah. And, and if I'm on top of it, you know, like I have a bunch of cookbooks and I'll kind of page through and see if there's anything that catches my eye. Um, but that's, I have to consciously remember to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I feel yeah. Are, what are your favorite resources for recipes? I would say Instagram is definitely on the top of the list, okay. uh, whether it's, you know, people who post uh, recipes in the captions of their Instagrams or just certain bloggers that I follow and they'll post delicious looking photos and then I can go to their websites or wherever and get their, um, get the recipes there. Um, and even if it's not something necessarily recipe based, but you know, I see a picture of an artichoke and I'm like, oh man, like I really want to eat art an artichoke this week. So then I'll just go out and make them the way that I know how to do that. Um, but I also have some cookbooks, you know, 
I like to do sheet pan meals or, you know, one pan meals because it's a lot easier to do that and less dishes. Um, so I have a couple cookbooks that I've been given as gifts that are one pan based. And I like to look at those a lot for inspiration because it's just so much easier when you're only cooking for one person. Yeah. Oh, it's so much easier. You're talking about the one pan meals are so much easier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Agreed. And less dishes, which is always a good idea. (laughs) Yes. Oh man. So tell me a little bit more about the recipe or the cookbooks that you really like. Are there any particular, well, I guess let's make it more broad. So any particular bloggers or cookbooks that you find yourself going back to all the time? Um, there are a lot that I find myself going back to, but not all of them will I cook out of regularly. So I really love Molly Gay, but a lot of her things aren't necessarily, you know, like make for dinner every night meals, but I still love everything she puts out there. Yeah. Um, There's actually a vegan blogger that I found recently that I've been, and I'm not vegan. I just really like the things that she, she posts. And I think her account and her blog is called, um, rabbits and wolves or something of that sort. Um, just everything she looks make everything she makes looks really good and a lot of it's comfort food so i'm always down for that um also you know my sister is a she's a food enthusiast so every time that she posts something i typically get a little bit inspired by uh whatever she's making um and let's see what else rachel's good eats she makes a lot of just like simple food with simple ingredients and you know tosses it all together in a bowl and that is something that I can get behind. So I like her stuff as well. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's fun to ask that question. Cause I feel like, I feel like I have a good repertoire, I guess, of, of recipes or, or I guess places to look for, but I am not familiar with any of those except for your sisters. I've, I follow your sister on Instagram too. So, <laughs> so that's easy, but yeah, there's so many resources out there. And, um, do you feel so you talked a little bit about kind of going there for inspiration. Do you feel comfortable in the kitchen to like see a recipe and adapt it as you need to? Tell me a little bit about that. I'm going to say no. Um, <laughs> I'm very recipe based unless it's something super simple. Um, you know, if it's just cooking up vegetables I have on hand, I'm pretty good at just doing that without a recipe. But, you know, I can't look at something that's um, like today I saw um, a recipe on Instagram that looked pretty good. And it was for like some Italian type pasta, but without like a heavy sauce. And I was like, Oh, like I rarely make pasta, but that looks really good. But I would never go out of my way in the kitchen to make that without a recipe because that's just not, you know, the way I cook. Um, but I do a lot of just simple vegetables, you know, toss an egg on it, that kind of thing without recipes. Um, but if it gets a little bit more complex, I typically call in someone who knows what they're doing. (laughs) Right. Well, it's a little bit overwhelming to see all of these ingredients and think, well, is this going to be a good substitution or can I make a substitution so I don't have to go to the store or how are things going to come out? You know, because you don't want to make something and for it to turn out terrible and then have to go and eat cereal or order something, you know? (laughs) Right. And I do a lot of, you know, I do rely on Google very frequently while I'm cooking to ask for, um, substitutions because I don't always have random ingredients on hand. And, and so I like to try if something looks really good and I want to make it, see if I can adapt it with what I have in the kitchen, but I don't just pick and choose things on my own. I will Google what is a good substitution for tarragon. And then hopefully Google will tell me something that I have on hand. 
Yeah, you know, I do the exact same thing. I think I think it can get really overwhelming for substitutions for people, but know that you don't have to have it in your brain. Google knows pretty much everything and can help right. a lot with that. Google and my mom. What, Google or your mom? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> me too. <laughs> well, and yeah, I mean, it's again, it's kind of overwhelming, and and that's an easy way to make sure that it's you know to feel like it's going to taste similar to how it was supposed to, which is usually a way to know that it'll it should be good. <laughs> right. Oh, you're making me hungry. I'm I just I love talking about food and also love to eat it. <laughs> so you talked about a lot of different things and, and looking for different recipes. Do you have a go to dinner for when you don't plan on anything? I would say my go to dinner is typically um eggs and Brussels sprouts. I almost always have Brussels sprouts because it's one of my favorite vegetables. So um, I'll cut them in half and then uh, pan sear them, if you want to call it searing, saute in um, coconut oil with a little bit of salt and pepper. And then just fry up some eggs or scramble if I'm feeling scrambled. It's my go-to. That sounds so good. I love Brussels sprouts too. They're one of my favorites and especially when they're kind of crispy. Yes, um, they have to be nice and crispy. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, I think that's one, one of the really cool things, especially like with oils. So you can adapt them as, you know, as you want to. I personally do not like coconut. I love it in curries and I love it in Thai food, but like any <laughs> other way, I hate coconut, but I'm thinking, oh, it'd be so good in olive oil or even just plain butter. That sounds so good. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Love Brussels sprouts. So yeah, eggs are a super easy go-to. They're so fast and they're so inexpensive, which is nice. And they last for a while too. So you can have them in your fridge for a couple weeks. Okay. So let's kind of go back to growing up. Did I, I guess outside of the biscotti story that you shared, do you have a favorite food memory, um, from growing up or I guess even in adulthood? Um, I think that, so like I said, we, we moved around a lot as a kid and, or as kids and we would always go to um, the beach during the summer in New Jersey. And that was kind of our time to hang out with my mom's side of the family. And she's got five siblings or four siblings. So it's, we got a lot of cousins and there's plenty of people around. Um, but I'm, I'm a big seafood lover. And so is that entire side of the family. Um, and so I guess one food memory that I have, and we still kind of do this every year when we go back to the shore, is um, just simple, like, steamed clams. So we just go to the fish market, whatever morning we're eating them, grab a bunch of clams, and then we would, you know, my grandma has the the big clam pot, and she would bring it out, and we would steam them and, and eat them with just butter, pretty much. Um, and that was always, you know, something I look forward to, and still is. Oh, that sounds... So wonderful. It, um, you know, I th it's, it's always interesting to hear about people's experiences with food growing up because that really shapes the way that we, you know, view food and a lot of times the way that we cook now, whether it's like a direct reflection or whether we're, you know, doing something completely different because we didn't like so much how we, you know, what we ate growing up. I, I think of myself, um, I grew up in Washington state, but not near the, on the coast at all. And we didn't eat seafood at all. So, I mean, I think salmon in high school was kind of the first seafood that I ever ate. And, um, you know, trying new foods, it takes time to get to that point where you can like them and clams are that way for me. <laughs> it's, um, 
I still haven't found the way that I like. Maybe I'll have to go to the coast and try them the way that, that you um, ate them with your family. That sounds, sounds wonderful. Yeah, we would typically do the clams at the same time as the shops, sh- well, excuse me, soft shell crabs. Ooh. And so only about two-thirds of the family really liked the simple clams. Um, my sister actually does not like clams that way, so she would always go for the soft shell crabs. And for some reason growing up, I didn't like soft shell crabs, but I think it was one of those things, like I just told myself I didn't like them and had no reason because I don't think I'd ever tried them. Um, I was kind of like that with a couple different foods growing up, so I'm glad that I've maybe kind of grown out of that I think that I'm picky but (laughs) yeah I say the same thing I'm like I'm not picky at all and then I think of all of the foods that I like just in our (laughs) short conversation I've already identified two foods that I don't like that you do (laughs) but yeah and that's I mean it's nice that there's so many foods out there so we can find different things but I think you know our our taste preferences change through so many different ways and and you know exposing yourself to different foods even as an adult is a helpful thing um especially in ways that you might not have to pay for it like at a restaurant I'm a little bit weary because I don't want to you know wonder oh is it going to be good am I going to waste this money on something that I hate or not to be able to eat and um so yeah like a family dinner is is an easy way to to try different things um but yeah so Before we get into talking about tips, I I had one other question for you. So how would you eat if you could eat anything or eat any way that you wanted to? You know, kind of this like perfect, idyllic world. Um, I would definitely eat things that are a little bit more varied than what I typically eat. So, um, you know, when I cook for myself, I typically end up eating the same meal for multiple meals of the week just because that's how it is when you um, are cooking for one person um, and just the way that recipes are kind of built most of the time. So I would try, well, it would be awesome if I could eat a different meal every night for dinner, um, but it's not necessarily as feasible (laughs) right now. So that would be one thing I would do if I could eat however I wanted. Um, Also, you know, things that are farm fresh, that really makes me happy about food in general is when it comes from the farmer's market or, or a CSA or something of that sort. Um, so it would be awesome if all of my food could come in that way. Um, I think that's pretty much the two things I would change if I could. Uh, yeah, I feel like I'm just the same way. I had a CSA a couple years ago and it was, it was fun to have to feel like I had to experiment with different things. And some of them, I had no idea what they were, but (laughs) it it tastes so much better, doesn't it? (laughs) So good. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. So now let's get into sharing tips. Do you have any favorite cooking or meal hacks that you have found to be helpful? Um, So I think I kind of touched on this earlier, but uh, I think that one pan meals are incredibly useful when you're cooking for one person um, because you can attempt your best to like cook different multiple like combinations of meals all on one sheet pan. Um, And then you only have to clean one sheet pan and it's super simple and you can maybe combine your vegetables different ways if you have different proteins. Um, It's, I think, an easier way to incorporate some diversity if you're going to be cooking a lot at once. Um, And then this is kind of, you know, I should take my own advice, but planning out your meals can definitely be a little bit helpful. Um, 
I should do this more. It would probably save me a lot of stress in the kitchen if I knew what I wanted to cook each week. But like I said, life gets hectic and I don't necessarily have all the time in the world for that right now. Um, so those are two things that I would definitely recommend. And then I know that, you know, some people are better at this than others, but just repurposing things that you already have. So whether it's, um, you know, using leftovers uh, to make something different than what its original meal was, um, that's another way to create diversity in, in what you're eating. Um, so, you know, if you have leftovers of a, of, a, of a vegetable, you could maybe put them in an egg scramble or something like that. And that's yet another thing I could probably improve on as well. Oh, that's, those are such great ideas. And I feel like, I, I like that you brought up that, you know, it'd be, it'd be good if I did that more, or you are aware that, you know, it's reality doesn't quite match up with that, um, yeah. those desires. And that's okay. Cause that's, I mean, who is that not real for, right? We all have, you know, oh, it would make things easier, but the reality is, uh, I'd rather do something else or, uh, that's one too many things to have to do and that's okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm by no means a perfect, uh, cook, home cook. And so I think that there's plenty of things I could improve upon, but I, I try my best to, to be a home cook. Well, most of the time. Yeah. Well, and honestly, I mean, who is like, who's gonna, you know, plan things out ahead of time all the time or, you know, to, to be able to know how to repurpose things and to do that perfectly. Like that's, that's not real. And I feel yeah. like, you know, I don't know if, if you've experienced this, but a lot of times that just adds stress. Like, oh, I'd rather be enjoying this weather and be outside than to prep. And, oh, I feel like I should prep because it's going to make my week easier. That's not necessarily a helpful place to be all the time. Yeah, and I think that's definitely kind of where my downfall comes is, you know, a lot of people tend to prep their food on the weekends, but my weekends are the time that I get to spend outside or doing other fun things. And so setting aside hours on a weekend is not just, it's not what I want to do um, because we live so close to the outdoors and that's kind of where my heart lies is hanging out outside. Um, like I just can't pull myself away from, you know, doing that hike just so I can sit inside and, and prep all my food. So I, when I do prep things, it tends to not happen on the weekends, which then restricts my time a little bit more. So I think that's just kind of how it goes for me, but at some point I'd like to improve on it. Well, and I think again, you know, you have different priorities and that's okay. That's totally right. okay. Have you found in this, I don't know if you have an answer to this, but have you found any like, um, ways to make it easier when you don't take the time to plan ahead as in like some sort like something that you buy that's prepped ahead of time or something like that? Well, so for, I go through kind of phases with food, um, you know, where I'll be really into cooking the same thing for a long period of time and then I'll just kind of grow out of it. But, mm -hmm. um, I do rely pretty heavily on, um, salmon burgers and black bean burgers from Costco. Um, you know, they're both, healthy options that are really easy to cook and you can, you know, pair them with a side, um, of whatever, you know, you're choosing is, whether it's a quickly thrown together salad or some sauteed vegetables or things like that. Um, so I really like relying on those. And then in terms of, I mean, I currently have been eating, um, like pre-made smoothies for breakfast a lot. So that's kind of one thing that minimizes the time I spend, um, as such an on the go person. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, you know, it's going to be different for each of us, but I think we all have those, 
those little tricks in our back pocket to make things easier. What, um, where are the smoothies from? Are they like smoothie bags or is it a, um, they're from a company called daily harvest. So they, they just come in cups and they're one of the reasons that I like them is because they are so diverse. So I can pick out all the different flavors that I want. Um, and they're, they're very, you know, I would never have all of the ingredients that they put in their smoothies on hand. I know that I could make a smoothie that would be very yummy based on just, you know, like freezer fruit and things like that. But I love the diversity and, you know, the, you know, mint cacao smoothie is not something I would make on my own. So I'm going to rely on them for that. Um, and so you just toss, I have, you know, a little smoothie cup attachment for my ninja and uh, just throw it in there with some with your milk of choice and blend and go. Oh, that's so awesome. Yeah. I, I tried one of those. It wasn't the smoothie. It was one of their, um, like side dishes, I think Mm -hmm. at the nutrition conference. And it was, it was really good. And I also hear, I don't know if you listen to the milk street podcast, um, Christopher Kimball, sorry, what was that? I said every once in a while I'll listen. Yep. Yeah. So he talks about, or they're like sponsor it, but, um, but yeah, so he talks about some of his favorites and got to trust him. So trust oh, both of you. That sounds awesome. Cool. Well, thanks so much for chatting today and, um, and sharing some of your tips and you know, some of your experiences. Is there anything else that you wanted to share? Um, I don't think so. I think maybe, you know, I don't know who is listening to this, but I think that it's important to not be, um, you know, intimidated by the kitchen. So especially if you're only cooking for one person, or maybe you are cooking for more than one person, um, just, you know, there's no reason that you need to fit yourself in a box in the kitchen. And I feel like I've, you know, my sister does things completely differently. We're very similar people, but the way that we approach the kitchen is completely different. And I think that that's totally fine. So whatever works for you, you know, if you rely on freezer meals, that's completely fine. It's just, whatever works for you as long as you're you know eating good food ah what a great what a great note to end on um thanks so much for chatting abigail do you have any social media accounts that you like people to follow or to connect with you on sure um on instagram my handle is gilly goes west and that's gilly g-i-l-l-y which is my nickname um and that's pretty much it Oh, I love that nickname. Well, thanks so much for sharing, and it was great chatting with you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. All right, we'll talk to you later. See ya. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Table for One podcast with Rebecca. If you're cooking for one or know somebody who is, make sure to subscribe to the Table for One podcast on your favorite podcast app. That way you can stay up to date on new episodes that will help you make cooking for one easier and more enjoyable. Feel free to continue the conversation over at in the Table for One Facebook group. You can also find recipes or work with Rebecca over at nourishnutritionblog.com. Or honestly, the easiest way is to follow me on Instagram. My handle is nourishnutrico, and you can click on the link of my profile to get more great resources for cooking for one. Talk to you next week.